Hello, I'm Phil Farrell, Chief Meteorologist at WSBN-TV in South Florida, and this is Weather or Not. Sinkholes. They happen most in Florida than in any other state. Imagine the floor or ground below you giving way and sinking maybe hundreds of feet. It's the stuff of horror movies, but they are reality. How can you prepare for this silent hazard? Well, now there is a tool that could help. Next on Whether or Not, we talk to an expert from Florida International University about how INSAR radar technology is used to predict sinkholes in Florida and how weather elements play a role in causing them. All ahead on Weather or Not. Severe weather can strike any time. And when it does, Seven's got you covered. 24-7. We'll see storms developing. We have a long line of rainfall here. We are the storm station. Seven News. How do sinkholes form? Why do they happen? Here's meteorologist Vivian Gonzalez. On this episode of Whether or Not, Dr. Shimon Widwinski is a geophysicist at Florida International University who is an expert in space geodesy, natural hazards, and sea level rise, who joins us to talk about how radar satellites are being used to detect where sinkholes are happening in Florida. Thank you for joining us. Hi, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good and yourself. Pretty good. Thank you. But thank you so much for saying yes to joining our podcast. I know that you are part of the uh, Florida International University Institute of Environment and the Department of Earth and Environment. That's right. They changed it since you graduated. Oh, yeah. I, I can imagine. <laughs> can you talk to us about how you became an expert in geophysics? I'm originally from Israel, and I was always, uh, I liked the outdoors and traveling, and uh, so I was very inclined to go into geology. And so my uh, basic uh, education is in geology and earth sciences in general. And then at some point, I realized that I like, I, I was always good in math and physics and that I like it better. So I found the pathway of combining the geology and physics, and I um, I got into geophysics. So that was a, while studying, I realized what really attracted me most, which is the both of them, the combination of understanding the physical part of the Earth, and uh, so that's where I went to do my uh, PhD in geophysics at Harvard University. And now to get into the subject of sinkholes, why do you think it's so vital for us to know where potential sinkholes are going to be happening? Well, I think people like to, to feel safe where they live. And when something changes dramatically, they, it introduces fear and the feeling of uh, unsafety. And we all experience it. This past June, when a very tragic event of the collapse of the Champlain Tower South happened, and people were shocked because we don't used to see building collapse. So this is, it was a big event that a 12-story high building collapsed, but it can be any, any buildings that collapse, is, it irritates us because we feel unsafe. So the same thing happens is if we have a building, a single family house that collapse, it introduces very strong sense of 
of fear, of unsafety. Can I trust where I live? Um, so this is, I think, very important to to estimate and to uh, to feel that we are safe where we live. So. I think we can both agree that we're in the field of uh, keeping our community safe and informed. Ultimately, saves lives and property. That's that's very true. And uh, I think one one thing that I felt through my um, scientific career is that I felt that I want my science to be meaningful and helpful for society. And so that's why I tend to to find projects that are related, more applied projects that uh, will be meaningful to the people. And uh, so I, I work more on like urban area, suburban area, where I think the science that we're doing can be in the immediate help for the people. Now, why do sinkholes happen in Florida? And is this something that's common? Yes, so sinkhole is actually the is collapse of the sub of the surface into a cavity in the subsurface. What happens is we need certain geological conditions that allow the generation of uh, cavities in the subsurface and beneath the, the ground. Uh, that can be in, uh, in limestone terrain like uh, we have here in, uh, in Florida, or it can be where we have uh, like salt stone, uh, like in Israel, we have also that the, the water uh, dissolve the salt and cause cavity and that collapse afterwards. Here in Florida, we have limestone that again, water over 10,000 of years generated these cavities beneath the surface. And so these are, the cavities are there and, and uh, they're covered with the soil. Uh, and this is what we call the caprock or the, 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 the layers that protect us where we, we live and uh, we have the trees and everything. And what happens is sometimes we have conditions that the, these cavities that buried there in the subsurface, they increase in size and they eat into the soil underneath where we live. So this is a collapse of uh, the upper layer into the cavities that already existed over there. So the cavity is not something that happened in recent years uh, because in limestone, these uh, processes of uh, dissolution of the rocks, uh, the generation of the cavity takes really long time. So it's, uh, we talk about 10,000 of years or 100,000 of years. And what we see, the sudden thing that happened is the collapse of the surface into the cavity. When I was reading on research that you've done, you use the term substance versus sinking. And I think it would be important for our listeners to know that there is a difference. What is that difference? Yes. Okay. Yeah. The people tend to, to use a, a lot sinking because it's very dramatic. It's something, something sick. It's usually fast. And if in some dictionary, it says that it's solid into liquid, but usually we associate sinking with something fast and subsidence or subsidence depends on where you're from and how you make the intonation, but it's a slower process. So uh, it's the, the slow movement of the surface downward. And uh, what we measure with our tools at the space observation is the slow movement, not the sudden one. So the slow movement of the surface is the subsidence. And if it will collapse into the cavity, then it will sink into the sinkhole. Does weather play a role in that subsidence happening? 
it does it, it been both in the subsidence and in the collapse uh, the the collapse uh, many times occur is when this uh, the layer the cup layer the, the soil is uh, loss of its uh, strengths is cohesionness in more technical term strengths and then material can uh, collapse inside and we have that and that's very much associated with groundwater level when we have a lot of rain and that can change the ground groundwater level increase it or if there is a drought it reduces it but very interestingly is actually uh, we found that uh, when we have a very cold uh, weather like we experienced uh, last week or uh, even colder uh, so in areas like in central western florida where they have uh, a lot of oranges and other crops the farmers uh use a, in order to uh save their crops they use a lot of groundwater and they irrigate the uh, the crops using groundwater so in 2010 there was a very uh strong uh, wave or there was a wave of cold weather so many days that we had cold weather and they used a lot of groundwater to um to save the crops correct and the the groundwater level drops by almost two feet and that uh, initiated a whole series of sinkholes around there yeah, where they so many times the sinkholes happens in open area not underneath a house and nobody we don't know much about it because people maybe report there's a, there's a web page the web page that the um, geological uh, the, the florida geological survey is keeping track of things but it doesn't get into the news because nobody get hurt so only when um, casualties or uh, property damage then we get to the news and we we hear about it but it happens many times without people noticing that what are the different tools different ways to gather data in detecting sinkholes well the, the best uh, way for looking at sinkholes is what we call is geophysical imaging tools it's just like uh, we have a tomography or people go to MRI or, or scanning these are tools that uh, we can see what happens underneath the surface these are we call it imaging tools a different method it can be ground penetrating radars it can be some electrical methods or it can be seismic methods that uh, from that we can make an image of the subsurface especially the ground penetrating radar is very sensitive if there is a cavity over there So uh, we can do these kind of surveys and detect the subsurface and see if there, there are cavities over there. Now these are great tools but the thing is that you have to go on the ground and do the survey so you can cover pretty small area we cannot do it in a very large quantities because it require a lot of work to putting the instrument and taking in process the data. So these are if we know that a certain area is suspicious of a having a sinkhole we can send somebody over there and, and do the measurements and and verify that but it has its uh, limitation in that sense also it's also if somebody live in a house and you want to check you need to get the permission of the owner to go and do the this measurement and sometimes the owners don't want to to do that because they are concerned about maybe the property if they if they find a sinkholes underneath the house or cavity that can develop a sinkhole the property value will go down so we don't always have the cooperation of the people 
to do such measurements. Now, using INSAR, radar satellite technology, what connection does it have in letting us know where the sinkholes may be forming? So this uh, technology, INSAR, which stands for Interferometric Synthetic Aperture Radar, which is a radar from space that can measure very precisely small movement of the ground uh, as it change or, or building on the ground, because it depends how the, um, the, the signal from the satellite interact with the with object on the surface. So it works very well if we have big uh, buildings that because it provides good return and stable return to the satellite. So satellite return to more or less the same position in space after uh, maybe 10 days, 12 days, depends with satellite. And from processing the data and doing a lot of, we need to do a lot of correction, we can see how things are changing over time. Now, if there is the different reasons that can cause the land to, to subside, so we saw this slow movement downward. And one of these reasons can be this, if there is a sinkhole, there is a cavity, and uh, and uh, the ground is losing some of its uh, strength, it's slowly moving downward. And that's uh, what we did in our study. We used that technology to detect this slow movement downward before the collapse. After the collapse, things are changing a lot, and we cannot detect that. So we can see movement can be different. Can be other reason that a building can move downwards. It can be that there is some kind of uh, movement of the ground without sinkholes. Uh, so therefore, when we detect things from space, we need to send somebody on the ground to go and verify if there is a sinkhole underneath that or not. If this movement that we detected was induced by the sinkhole or just any other processes. So capturing those images from space, yes. do you use any particular software, maybe like ArcGIS, to be able to interpolate ah, that ah, data? Yes. Okay. Yeah, uh, we, yeah we, we have a very I was just curious software. what software you're using. Uh, we, we're using some uh, very, uh, very heavy software because we, we crunch a lot of numbers. Okay. Uh, but it's the um, software is uh, what's called eyes. There is scape, uh, some of the, the remote sensing, the SARScapes. A gamma, there are different software wow. packages, which are, some of them are free, freely available. Some of them like uh, developed and they cost like $20,000 to, to use them. So a year, I mean, the, to get the license. So it depends which uh, software, but then when we get the results, then we use the result. When we get the, all the information, we use ArcGIS to visualize that. So. Nice. Yeah, I have some experience with ArcGIS. I was just curious what uh-huh. you're using. Yeah, so that's the next step of, we call it the, the post-processing that we, we visualizing things and do some certain analysis, but for to get from these uh, very large files that from the radar satellites we get, uh, we need to, to have very specific uh, software packages that we use. Okay, so what are the areas of concern in Florida? And are there any areas in specific of concern here in South Florida? Regarding sinkholes? Correct. Yes. So the, the, where we find most of the sinkholes that oh, this can collapse is uh, what sometimes people call it the sinkhole alley, which is central western Florida. So it's in the, the Tampa to Orlando and a little bit north, a little bit north, uh, south of that. So this is a corridor between more or less Tampa and Orlando, 
and more to the north and a little bit to the south. And the reason for that is that they have a pretty thick soil layer that sits above these cavities in the limestone. Here in South Florida, we have the condition also that we have limestone with a cavity and people who travel, they can see some of these holes that already collapsed. Uh, but we don't have these thick layers that protect us from the, these fallen, uh, from the cavities. So we don't have much of collapse into sinkholes. We see sinkholes that already collapsed, Carl Gables in different places. You can go and see some circular shapes, uh, places that are deeper. But we don't see here, we don't have these conditions that as in central uh, western Florida, that uh, it's likely to collapse here uh, because of the geological condition here. In your study, what changes in lab sub- subsidence were you able to identify with your team using the radar technology in West Central Florida? Okay, so what happens over there that we, we know that this area, they have a lot of sinkholes. And uh, we did this uh, pilot study to show that uh, we can use the technology for that. Now, the, the, the study, we aimed at the three areas which known to have sinkholes activity over there. And we had to use uh, very high resolution uh, images. So they and say high resolution means that uh, we can see the, the pixel or each unit that we look is it, it's uh, just a two three feet wide and we cannot cover a very large area it's an area of about three by three by five miles uh, so it's relatively small so we had to concentrate on areas that we know there are some activities over there and when we uh, got the data and uh, we processed it, we saw that in some area we did, we were able to see this uh, subsidence. The, the cause of that, then we went to the field to look at that, to image what happens in the subsurface. And we saw that in some location, uh, we did see these cavities uh, underneath the area that we detected with subsidence. So it... We, we, we call it ground truth thing, so that we go to the, the area and we verify that the results uh, are there. So it's not just any subsidence, it's related to sinkholes. It's worked. The method has worked. Y- yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was Hernando and Pasco County, counties? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you also conducted a study in 2020 that's also been proven and so important in shedding light on the land subsidence in Miami Beach and in an area nearby Surfside, Florida, where the 12-story Champlain Towers South stood. So can you talk to us about your findings in that study? The study that uh, we was published in 2020, uh, we did uh, use the, similar, the same technology, but with different type of uh, satellite data. The data that were collected in the 1990s, between 1993 and 1999, and we studied the entire city of Miami Beach and also Surfside. The focus of that study was to see if there is a land subsidence there, because we are concerned with sea level rise and flooding of the city. So if we have areas that subsiding uh, next to the ocean that is rising, that area will be more prone to to flooding than areas that is not subsiding. So that was the the goal of that study. 
As part of that study, we also so we detected different areas, small pockets where we did find subsidence. And one of that particular area was the building that collapsed at Chaplain Snower's house. So we noticed that and we reported in the study that we see that particular, that was the only a building in the eastern part of the, the city of uh, Miami Beach that showed subsidence signal. And that was sup- surprising because uh, we expected to see a lot of things in the western part of the city because it's built on reclaimed wetlands. And the eastern part is not. It's more of what we call the ridge over there. So we just uh, reported that as well as the other area in the um, western part of the city where we detected the subsidence. So. And how much was the projection per year of the land subsiding in that Miami Beach area? Uh, it was pretty small. It's two to three millimeter per year, which is a fraction of an inch. But we have to remember that sea level rise is also a few uh, millimeter per year. Actually, we did some analysis. It uh, can be even higher here because of a local regional thing. Uh, so it can be maybe nine uh, millimeter per year. But if we combine the two, we get quite a lot of. So this is just per year. If we, we think about projection for the next 10, 20 years, mm-hmm. it accumulates and it becomes significant. So these are the, we detected the subsidence signal about two to three millimeter per year. Certainly important research, and you've been able to successfully apply these techniques to detect those small movements of the Earth's surface, and not only with uh, tectonic plate motion, earthquakes, climate change, and sea level rise. Now I want to get into a little bit more of the weather aspect, because we are the storm station here at 7, and I would like to know how does hurricane activity or even the warming of the climate affect or increase, potentially increase sinkhole activity specifically here in Florida, or if uh, you find any correlation in this? So as I mentioned, the, the weather can affect sinkhole activity in if we have unusual conditions. So in particular, we have cold, cold weather for a long period of time, cold like wave over here. Mm-hmm. So I don't know with the projection of uh, climate change, how will this affect? We'll have, I think the projection will have more extreme events. So it's very, really hard to, to take this knowledge and say we'll have more or less sinkhole activity. But uh, we have to be aware that uh, when we do have unusual condition, it can trigger sinkhole activity because it changes the, the strength of the soil layer. Uh, and it can, as a result, have more of a collapse during uh, the, this period. So, Just like you mentioned, too much rain all at once or even a drought would also affect the land movement subsidence from happening. Yes, exactly. Are there any ongoing efforts to help prevent sinkholes from happening? Well, uh <laughs> It's, it's very hard to, to say because we have these cavities in the sun surface. So in some places where maybe we have um, an important place like a, a highway, uh, a corridor of transportation corridor, highway, uh, railroad. So if they detect a sinkhole underneath that, they try to fill it up in order because it's very expensive, something like that. Uh, so we, we want to prevent 
and we are willing to spend a lot of uh, money into that so they can fill it with cement and uh, so it's it's very localized to places which are of uh, very high importance uh, it's it sometimes it can work sometimes it doesn't it depends uh, how much uh, there is erosion in the subsurface of this particular area uh, but people try to prevent it if they know about it and if it's relatively small maybe it, it works I mean there are engineering solution for that but I don't know if it's long term or short term uh, it's possible and it requires a uh, resources uh, to stop the this collapse underneath now your research is super important and it does affect communities and populations. What do you think would be the best way to raise awareness about this? So I think what happens in, uh, in Florida is that they changed the law about in 2010, I think, around there, about sinkhole and insurance. What happened is that before 2010, there was in, people were able to get compensated for sinkholes if they had cracks in the house and they can demonstrate that they, there was it's related to sinkholes they, they used to get compensated. Now that issue that caused a lot of problem for the insurance company because it resulted with many claims and I think it reached to a few hundred million dollars a year. So there was a lobby of the insurance company and it was supported by some of the officials, the legislative, they changed the law. So people can get compensated only for very specific damage if a real collapse happened or something. So consequently from that is people are very careful of uh, saying they have sinkhole in their house, beneath the house, because the knowledge of having sinkhole is not may increase the safety, but also uh, may reduce the the value of the property. And we we're getting into this. Uh, what is more important? The, the people will feel safe or will have the property, and it's a very personal decision. Uh, somebody can live on uh, a property with a sinkhole underneath, and nothing happens. And if and the property will be of high value and then something happened, people feel, but it's, it's not that often that it happens. So people most, a lot of people are not interested to get this knowledge now. So I think we need to get people be aware that there is a possibility in certain area more likely than others that there are some sinkholes in their environment. And I think it's important to take to, to look for that rather than to to close our eyes and be to be aware that something in the future can happen, and it's better to prevent it than in just thinking about the, the value of the property. Exactly. So it's so important to know and research the area where you live in. Exactly. Yeah. That would certainly determine in making a decision as to where you will be down the road. I think people who, especially people who are looking to buy property should get this information. People who are looking to sell their property maybe don't want to provide that information, but the people who want to buy property definitely need to look into that. Interesting. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. <laughs> are you in a problem area? Homes and structures that have sinkhole activity show cracking. The cracking can be in the walls, 
floor, tiles, or ceiling, and it can be either in the exterior, interior, or both. If you have the warning signs, a sinkhole inspection can be conducted by geotechnical or civil engineering companies. Also, a property risk evaluation will give you true construction cost values and documentation to determine adequate insurance coverage and avoid underinsuring, along with a sinkhole screening inspection. This is the key information that could save lives and property. The best app from the best weather team is right here. Seven's Hurricane Tracker app. Get the latest forecast models. My Seven weather blog. And of course, Seven's cone on your phone. It's yours free from the Storm Station 7 News. And now time for a fill fact. Since tropical records began in the Atlantic Basin, most systems travel west, except for Hurricane Lenny. In 1999, I took part in a history-making mission that flew into this hurricane, traveling backwards across the Caribbean. Most systems move east to west, but Hurricane Lenny did something that had never happened in the over 100-year Atlantic tropical cyclone record. It was the first storm to have an extended west-to-east track. On our next issue, manatees are dying off in huge record numbers. Can anything be done to stop the die-off? We chat with an expert from this aquarium. Plus, how does Zoo Miami prepare when a hurricane threatens? Hey, Ron McGill here from Zoo Miami. I'm going to tell you how Zoo Miami gets ready for the hurricane season. Brent Cameron chats one-on-one -on -one with Ron McGill. That's all coming up on our next edition of Weather or Not, which drops June 14th. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion, please send us an email at wxpodcast at wsvn.com. This podcast is produced by the Seven Weather Team. Original music by Chris Crane, with technical support by Stephen Sejas. Thank you for listening to Weather or Not.